0: Hey, Notorious Bakersfield fans. Notorious Bakersfield the Book is available for purchase. If you enjoy this podcast, you'll love the book. Notorious Bakersfield the Book dives deeper into the most infamous crimes, incidents, and personalities that have shaped Bakersfield. This literary adaptation uncovers 30 astonishing true stories from Bakersfield and Kern County's last century. Notorious stories from a notorious community. To purchase your copy, go to Amazon.com or your Amazon app and search for Notorious Bakersfield, the book. Hey folks, I hope everyone is enjoying the holidays. For several days leading up to Christmas, I was on jury duty. Then I had several events connected to the release of Notorious Bakersfield, the book, which, by the way, is still available for purchase on Amazon. Just go to Amazon.com or your Amazon app and search for Notorious Bakersfield, the book. It's available for purchase. If you didn't get it for a gift for Christmas, you can buy it for yourself. So for the next couple of weeks, I will be rerunning previous episodes of Notorious Bakersfield. I will be back in the new year, January 8th, 2024, with all new Notorious Bakersfield stories. Until then, enjoy this encore Notorious Bakersfield story. Happy holidays. This is the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. I'm Robert Peterson, the host and creator of this podcast that takes a look back at some of Bakersfield's most notorious crimes, events, and characters. On March 30th, 1995... At about 10.25 at night, Chris Wasserman, a 47-year-old truck driver, was driving north on Coffee Road. She was about to turn her tanker truck into the Sunland Refinery on the east side of the roadway. Suddenly, her truck's engine started behaving erratically. It shifted from performing normally to racing. Then... She was almost overcome by noxious fumes. She coughed, trying to catch her breath. Chris glanced through her semi's windshield and witnessed a ball of fire hurtling directly towards her truck. The fire engulfed not only her truck, but also the surrounding vehicles. The heat was intense. Despite not putting her semi in park, Chris forcefully used her shoulder to open the door and escape the cab. She tumbled to the ground and then crawled on her knees to distance herself from her still-moving truck. Fortunately, the semi stalled before traveling too much farther. Chris heard a female screaming. She looked towards the screen. She noticed a young lady struggling to remove her two children from a smoldering car. Simultaneously, a man emerged from another vehicle, engulfed in flames. He was walking, on fire, his arms outstretched in front of him. This is Fireball on Coffee Road. Tracy Philip Kildebeck was born in 1972 in Bakersfield. His parents were Jack, a biology professor at Bakersfield College, and Linda. He had an older sister named Holly. After his parents divorce, Tracy stayed in Bakersfield with his father while his mother relocated to Southern California. His father raised him as a single parent. Then, in 1988... Jack Kildebeck, Tracy's dad, passed away. Tracy, being only 16 years old, moved to Hawthorne, California to live with his mother, stepfather, sister, and other siblings. Despite moving away, Tracy maintained ties to Bakersfield. He still had relationships. He still had friends and a girlfriend. He graduated from high school in Lawndale, California in 1990. In late 1994, Tracy returned to Bakersfield. In February 1995, he got a job at Club Ironworks, a gym located on California Avenue. On the evening of March 30th, 1995, Tracy was at Club Ironworks not working, but rather as a gym-goer, working out with two friends and co-workers. After their workout, he offered a ride home to one of his friends who lived near Stockdale Highway and California Avenue. Tracy himself lived in Rosedale. If he hadn't given his friend a ride, he would have likely taken his usual route home from California Avenue north on the 99, then exiting Rosedale Highway. Instead, he drove to the area of Stockdale Highway and California Avenue where his friend lived. After dropping this friend off, Tracy drove westbound on Stockdale Highway to Coffee Road. From there, he turned north on Coffee Road, heading towards his apartment in the Rosedale area. Unbeknownst to Tracy, this gesture of kindness, going out of his way to take his friend home, proved fatal. Coffee Road looks very different today than it did in 1995. Today, there's an overpass at the railroad tracks that run east west between Brimhall and Rosedale Highway. Back in 1995, it was a typical railroad crossing. There was no bridge there. Tracy drove his Honda Accord north on Coffee Road, approaching those railroad tracks. There were three other vehicles in the vicinity. On the north side of the tracks, two cars were ahead of Tracy. Behind him was Chris Wasserman in her semi-truck getting ready to turn into the Sunland oil refinery complex. Tracy's car was still on the south side of the tracks. He still hadn't reached the railroad crossing when a ribbon of flames flashed from the Sunland refinery. This bolt of fire shot across the roadway and exploded into a fireball everything in the vicinity was engulfed in flames including the vehicles on the roadway tracy kildebeck's honda accord blew up in the air at least a foot the explosion was so powerful that people who were in the area but didn't witness the fireball believed that there had been an earthquake Bill Pitcher, a correctional officer, was the lead car going north on Coffee Road. He was ahead of the pack of four vehicles, basically. Behind him was an Acura Integra. In the Acura was a 21-year-old Susan Hamilton and her two children. Tracy was behind these cars, and behind him was Chris Wasserman in her semi-truck. After the explosion... Tracy emerged from his Honda, entirely engulfed in flames. By this time, all of the occupants of the vehicles involved were outside their cars. They all were shouting at Tracy to drop to the ground and roll. Tracy did fall to the ground. He smothered the fire out. He managed to get back up on his feet. He walked towards Pitcher. Tracy's arms were outstretched as he walked. He asked Pitcher for help. While another motorist used a cell phone to call 911, Pitcher used a sweatshirt to cover Tracy's body. Waiting for first responders to arrive, Pitcher engaged Tracy in conversation, trying to keep him alert and conscious. Tracy told Pitcher, He knew he didn't look too good. Then he expressed concern that he didn't have insurance on his vehicle. Firefighter Heidi Dinkler was one of the first responders to treat Tracy. She poured distilled water on his burned body. Dinkler later stated that there wasn't much else anybody could do. She recognized that he needed to be transported to a burn unit fast. Tracy was loaded into the first ambulance to arrive. He was transported to Mercy Hospital. From there, he was flown by helicopter to a burn unit in Fresno. There's conflicting accounts about how badly Tracy Kildebeck's body was burned. One report said he was burned over 90% of his body. Another report said 100%. His injuries were extensive. The doctors at the burn center were skeptical Tracy could survive the night. As for the other drivers involved, Chris Wasserman injured her shoulder escaping the cab of her semi and banged up her knees when she was crawling on the ground. Susan Hamilton suffered burns to her ear. Her children had minor burns. And Bill Pitcher suffered what was described as minor injuries. Tracy Philip Kildebeck passed away from his injuries April 1st, 1995, the day after the fire and explosion. He was survived by his mother and stepfather, Linda and Larry Gallagher, and his siblings, Holly, Donald, Dennis, and Denny. Tracy's funeral was held in Southern California on April 7th, 1995, on what would have been his 23rd birthday. He is interred at the San Fernando Mission Cemetery. Sunland Refinery voluntarily shut down operations at their Coffee Road complex. Government authorities immediately began investigating the cause of the explosion. It was investigated by multiple agencies, the Kern County Fire Department, the California State Fire Marshal, the San Joaquin Valley Air Pollution Control District, and the Kern County District Attorney. In addition, Sunland Oil launched their own internal investigation. The early initial assessment of the explosion was attributed to a low-hanging cloud of flammable gas that leaked from the refinery and drifted across Coffee Road. The other motorists involved in this incident reported their vehicle engines acting erratically, racing at high RPMs when approaching the vicinity of the refinery, then stalling. There were two potential sources that could have ignited the flammable fumes escaping from the refinery. One theory suggests that a passing car might have been the cause— while another possibility was that a naked flame from the refinery's gas burn-off flare ignited the fire. The day before Tracy Kildebeck's funeral, six days after the tragedy, Sunland Refinery released its first public statement regarding the explosion. In this one-page statement, Sunland's management expressed their sympathies to Tracy Kildebeck's family and friends. But Sunland's statement didn't end there. After expressing the company's condolences, Sunland went on to defend itself. Quote, "...the extensive investigation has revealed no evidence of any leak or other malfunction that could have led to this disaster." While we still cannot rule out that possibility, experts on the scene have not been able to develop any credible theory to suggest how our operations could have led to this explosion. Unquote. It was later revealed that there was a prior explosion in the vicinity of the Sunland refinery complex. Just three hours before the explosion that killed Tracy Kildebeck, witnesses and residents reported seeing a ball of fire coming from the refinery. That has never been explained. The Bakersfield Californian reported that throughout its existence, Sunland Oil Company had paid over $240,000 in fines to multiple government agencies for violations at the refinery on Coffee Road. These violations numbered almost two dozen. Two weeks after the accident, a Kern County judge issued a temporary restraining order against Sunland Oil. This order prohibited the company from operating until it met safety conditions set by four different government agencies. Tracy Kildebeck's family hired a prominent Los Angeles attorney, Larry Feldman, to represent them. Feldman was best known at the time for representing a 14-year-old boy who alleged singer Michael Jackson molested him. Feldman was able to secure an out-of-court settlement for that boy. Kern County District Attorney also filed a civil suit against Sunland Oil. All of these suits were later settled. Sunland agreed to pay 5.5 million dollars to Kern County for air pollution violations and unfair business practices. No dollar amount was ever publicly revealed for Tracy Kildebeck's family. The cause of the explosion was determined to be mixing naphtha and crude oil in an unvented tank with no vapor recovery system. It was acknowledged by officials investigating the scene that This could have been a much worse disaster. At that time, 2,000 vehicles a day passed by the refinery on Coffee Road. If this had happened at a different time, during rush hour, more people could have been killed or injured. Also, it wasn't uncommon for traffic to be stopped by a train at this crossing. Can you imagine if a train was on the tracks and traffic was backed up in both directions. And this is the same track that Amtrak passenger trains use. I don't want to minimize Tracy Kildebeck's suffering or his family, or the other motorists for that matter. What they all went through was horrific, beyond horrific. But if this had happened at another time of day, many more people could have lost their lives. Resources used for Researching this story, the Bakersfield Californian, the LA Times, the Fresno Bee, and findagrave.com. This is Robert Peterson. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'll be back next week, next Tuesday, with another Notorious Bakersfield story. Until then, stay safe. Stay out of trouble. Don't become a future episode of the Notorious Bakersfield podcast. See you next week.